Blog Talk Radio. I'm here. It's just uh, I like it till it does the little blog talk thing. I need to take it off. How you doing, Jimmy? Doing good, man. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Um, so we're here tonight to talk about the Denver Broncos. This is the IBM Fancast second episode. Uh, episode one, we talked about the Browns and Giants with Cody Stewart and Salim Odin. This week, I've got none other than Broncos superfan Jimmy Hicks, probably one of maybe two people I've seen ever mention the Denver Broncos in the group. But, um, you know, you said you had a, a hard time getting people to talk Broncos with you, so that's all we're talking about tonight. <laughs> um, there's, not, there's not many of us around this area, that's for sure. Yeah, they're not. They're not. So I like the Denver Broncos as far as, like, um, to me, they're an interesting team, um, and we'll get it. We'll probably touch on some of the things that I find interesting, and I like to get your input on that as well. Um, we can start with 2017. Denver Broncos finished the season five and eleven. They had a new head coach, Vance Joseph. It was his first season. Uh, they were number 17 ranked in total offense, number 20 in passing offense, number 12 in rushing offense, number 27. Uh, in scoring offense with 18.1 points per game. Uh, defensively, they were incredible. Uh, number four, passing defense. Number five, rushing defense. And then somehow number 22 in points allowed per game at 23.9. Um, we could start right here because I find that interesting. Um, I didn't know that the Denver Broncos defense was as dominant. I knew they were a top 10 defense. I just didn't know they were basically top five. Why do you think that your defense was so good um, both sides of the ball in, in regards to stopping the pass and then also stuff in the run? They allowed so many points. What do you attribute that to? You know, a lot of the points from um, short field positions, uh, being left by the offense and ability to move the football off. Um, you know, the running game made improvements. You know, C.J. Anderson was pretty good. He had a little injury. Booker, you know, when he was a backup, Booker played hungry, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get the carries. But once he got them, he he just looked like a man that got paid and didn't care anymore. Um, they made some interior improvements, not many, not enough. I mean, you know, the overall defense, right, looks good. The points per game is really what stands out. But a lot of the fault comes from the offense. None of really – good hopes for Trevor Simeon. Um, I didn't think he would be a Drew Brees or, or anything like that, but I thought he could have become kind of a Alex Smith type where he's not exactly going to go out and throw for 4,500 yards and win you a bunch of football games, but he's not necessarily going to lose you a bunch of football games either. Yeah, um, I remember when um, when he, when he started – uh, I want to say maybe a year or so ago. Um, it was maybe right right after Peyton retired. He had flashes of like some brilliance. Like he, he looked like he could run the offense, and then the turnovers came. And then it was just like like you would get Trevor good for maybe seven minutes of solid gameplay, and then he was just awful after that. And and I noticed he really struggled on the uh, short side throws, which. At the time, um, I think that's what they were looking for, somebody that could, could 
throws to the sideline uh, to Demarius and uh, Emmanuel Sanders, and uh, it just didn't work out too well for you guys. Uh, I wanted to ask, though, since, since we're on the topic of um, your offense, um, the Broncos, by the numbers when it comes to finances, they're building a team the right way. You know, they, they invested in the offensive line. They've invested in their defense heavily. 53% of their uh, revenue actually goes towards defense. But when you do the breakdown of the offense, they, they're only really paying receivers and linemen. They don't have a lot of money invested in quarterback, and they don't have a lot of money invested in uh, receivers. I mean, um, sorry, in quarterback, running back, and tight end. They don't have a lot of money invested in that. Do you feel like um, like John Elway has kind of been trying to catch lightning in the bottle with the quarterback position since um, Peyton Manning has retired? I mean, he's got to be. You know, I'd love nothing more than to be able to you know, take Kirk Cousins, for example. I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about Kirk Cousins. Um, but for what it's worth, he's got a, an outstanding arm. Yeah, he falters in, in the crunch time. Um, but, you know, some of that stuff can be worked on. I'd love to see him be able to pay, you know, $25, 27000000 million a year for a, you know, top-notch quarterback or $7, 8000000 a year for a running back that can put up 1,300, 1,400 yards. But sitting back, is that really going to make the difference? I mean, the Kirk Cousins would benefit. I'm not exactly sold on Case Keenum. Um, I think he can be good. But he's another one I look at to be an Alex Smith type. Um, The tight end situation, you know, Denver hadn't had a good tight end when Shannon Sharp retired. You know, Mm -hmm. they've basically made their bread and butter on age veterans, good pass blockers. Good run blockers, not really a reception type tight end. So I don't, I don't see him spending the money there. I really wish they would spend a little bit more on the offensive line. Uh, the Marys Thomas eats up a, a, a good chunk. I think we're around sixteen million this year uh, of the cap. And I'm not. I like Demarius Thomas. You know, he had five straight thousand yard seasons. He was about I think fifty one yards short last year of six straight on a horrible passing offense. But he does have Des Bryant hands, and we all know how that turns out when you can't catch the quick screens, you know, being a big guy, semi-decent route runner. You can't really outrun anybody. I'd love to see some more money invested in the offensive line to be able to take one of those young running backs, like Royce Freeman, like Devontae Booker, and actually make them produce or let, give them the ability yeah, I um, I'm not sure if there's any um, there's any moves that the Broncos can really make um, because we're getting a little ahead of ourselves right now. But but since we're on the topic, we can talk about it because it was a problem last year. Um, it seems like Denver ever since they paid Von Miller, they've had trouble um finding money for players and um. I mean, it's a wonder that that they were able to maintain that defense for as long as they did since the Super Bowl. But um, I don't, I don't think they have money to spend on on those positions. And you have to think, especially the quarterback position uh, for for Kirk Cousins. Um, even before Kirk Cousins uh, got this huge contract right now, 
Uh, before that, it was still going to cost you about $21, $22 million, you know, a season. And uh, right now, um, the last I saw, the Broncos had about $5 million worth of, of cap spending room um, after all the roster moves they made right now. Um, and I would have to go back and double check on that. I saw that uh, at a glance. But I don't think Elway's real. I think Elway kind of backed himself in the corner a little. Um, I don't know how. I don't know why. Um, because I feel like the writing was on the wall with Peyton Manning after that last Super Bowl. Like, you could you could tell. I mean, the guy could barely complete a 20-yard pass, you know? So, um, yeah. I found I find it hard to to believe that um he didn't know that that was going to that that was going to happen and I also find it hard to think that he thought Brock Osweiler was really the answer. I mean, I, I don't think it took much time of watching him play. I mean, these guys see him every day and then it it probably took us like 5 minutes worth of of game time to realize that he wasn't the answer either. And uh I mean, they tried to groom Simeon, but he was a I don't think he was he wasn't uh, high draft pick, you know, and they they haven't yeah, had draft rounder. picks. Yeah, so they haven't had draft picks to really um, do much with either to even try to find a a, a Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson like a fourth round uh, savior because um, they they've done a lot of moves where they've given up given up uh, draft picks. They spent a lot of money um, with front loaded contracts, and that's kind of the recipe for disaster when it comes to uh, success in the league, but the money that they have spent has been put into key positions. Um, so it's just, I think it's just a little interesting dynamic because um, it's one of those, it's one of those situations you find that the way you're taught isn't necessarily working or you're not getting the results that you should be getting. Um, so on paper, he's doing it the right way. Uh, Elway, except that quarterback position, but as far as paying receivers, paying your O-line, paying your, your entire defense, especially the, the defensive front, um, he's doing it the right way, and he's getting results, but offense just is not clicking. Um, we can roll you into know, my next question. To touch question. on what you were oh, saying, go ahead. to roll on what you were saying, you talked about being the offensive line. You know, outside of the first, you know, the couple seasons where Peyton was there, the offensive line has really been atrocious. Uh, they've mm-hmm. allowed a lot of sacks. It's basically been a turnstile, especially on the right side. You know, I remember a game Justin Houston had just come back. It was against Kansas City. And I think he had four sacks in the first half um, mm-hmm. coming off of the right side against Donald Stevenson. You know, the right side has been terrible. You know, Russell O'Coon last year had not worked out nowhere near as, you know, anybody thought it would have. Yeah. Um, I think the moves they're making on the offensive line is getting better. You know, Garrett Bowles last year, he, you know, he had some rookie problems, but he progressed pretty well. They traded for Bill here this year. Paradise is like a state-like center. So it's getting better, mm-hmm. but it, it's still nowhere near what I would call a playoff caliber offensive line. Yeah, and some of that I would attribute to just how the market is right now. Um, over the last maybe – three, four seasons, I would say there's been a lot of um, turnover, a high turnover rate on a lot of offensive lines um, on the middle of the road teams in the league. A lot of guys are, are getting dropped so they can go get bigger paydays and 
and then people are investing in, in rookie linemen um, here and there to try to develop. And if you are fortunate, like the Cowboys, and you get guys that are just immediate impacts, they get paid eventually. But for the most part, I know like um, the Jags had a, a couple good linemen a couple years ago, and one of them ended up on the 49ers, and another one ended up um, somewhere else. I can't remember. Uh, some yeah. NFC East team, I think. But yeah, I've noticed that. Everybody. Yeah, I, I've noticed that when it is time to pay people, that outside of the Cowboys and a couple other individuals as a unit, the offensive line doesn't normally get paid. So being a being a high turnover on a team like the Broncos, who don't, uh, who traditionally haven't had um, a lot of uh, cap space under the Elway era, um, is not necessarily that surprising. But I mean, you guys are not too far removed from your from your Super Bowl. I mean, it's still within the last decade. So, I mean, we got people who celebrate Super Bowls. I call no names, but they celebrate Super Bowls from a long, you long, must be long about time ago. So, <laughs> so uh, I don't think I don't think that the Broncos are necessarily in a bad spot heading into 2018. I think it's it's more of a, a delicate situation where. Um, if it's not played right, it could bury the team for for a while because of the cap situation. But I mean, I I saw um, Von Miller had uh, structured his contract or restructured his contract. I I didn't look whether it was positive or negative, but it doesn't seem like they have a problem with negotiating their players. Um, but that that's a slippery slope too, and the Seahawks found that out as well when you when you constantly restructure contracts and front load and and give guys more money um, sooner than that later. That's the Steeler mentality. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think the Broncos have one of the more interesting front office situations in the league. It doesn't get talked about much, but but Elway or whoever whoever else is in charge of player personnel there, they've got a they've got a tough job to do. They've got a um, they got to take it slow, but they got to be. They got to be 100% sure because, like I said, it's very delicate. Um, you guys tried to, to salvage the rushing offense, and, and, and which wasn't bad. It was 12 overall. But you guys tried to do the running back by committee thing again. Uh, you got Jamal Charles. Um, that didn't necessarily work out too well for you. But I want to ask you, because Vance was brand new, and he, he won five games. Um, he started out okay. He, I think he won his first game. 24-21 against the uh, Chargers. What was your overall thought on uh, Vance's first season? Do you feel confident that he could be the uh, coach for the future? You know, he started off really good. You know, like you mentioned, the Chargers. Then they come out in week two and just decimated the Cowboys. Um, I had to throw that shot in. Um, (laughs) But – I'm not exactly sold on him. You know, he's a first-time coach, so I'm going to try to give the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, his adjustments were non-existent. And a lot of the times, you know, in the midst of, I think it was an eight-game losing streak after, I believe it was starting three and one, then had an eight-game losing streak. He looked lost on the sidelines. And watching the press conferences, you know, he said the same thing every week. You know, good game plan. You know, we had a good game plan going in. Just didn't execute. Well, you know, at the end of the day, though, if you can't execute your game plan, then it's not a very good game plan. 
so I'm hoping this year that it can get better. But it would not shock me one bit if he's not fired by week six. Um, yeah, I, Elway does not seem to have a a high tolerance for failure. You know, look at John Fox. You know, John Fox took the Super Bowl and got replaced after the beatdown against Seattle. It it just doesn't matter how you progress or what you are. It seems that nobody is safe as far as coaching and management type. He will replace you. Yeah, and and I think some of that is just um, it's just that that because uh, you know he was a, a high level quarterback, he's competitive, and I think some of that comes from him being a player. You know, you kind of want results immediate, and he was aggressive when he first uh, got control. Um, you know, he, he made the he made the move to get Peyton Manning, and and they had success early, and it, and it's kind of intoxicating. But it's not necessarily what you do front office wise is more longevity than it is of 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 season moment here, winning now, because you can win a Super Bowl um, your first year and then go maybe five seasons, six seasons max without without making the playoffs again. They're gonna fire you, so. Um, I don't think it's fair to do Vance like that. Vance came into a situation that was was not very um, not very. It wasn't a situation that you could really succeed in. I mean, the guy had what Trevor Simeon as his quarterback, who's uh, Paxton Lynch backup, and then you give him Brock Osweiler as another option, and uh, he doesn't have a solid running game. Um, the running back is banged up. You got uh, your defense, and you got. Your um your receiving core, yeah, but again, putting a young coach in a situation without a quarterback, especially a veteran quarterback, that's kind of tough, man. And, and he's a defensive coordinator, he's a defensive-minded uh, coach. And um, from what I've seen in the league lately, when you get these defensive-minded coaches, um, they're not good at calling plays, you know, which yeah. goes without saying because they're defensive coordinators, but they don't have a feel for the game in regards to how to call a, a, a game. Offensive coordinators, I don't know if, if they don't, if they're more hands-off on defense or if I'm just paying attention to the score more, but offensive coordinators seem more control of the entire game from special teams to, to um to running the plays to, to calling timeouts. They're more situationally aware. And I heard you speak on that a little yourself. So I feel like I, I kind of the same vibe when I watched Vance um, last year. I didn't watch a whole lot of Broncos games. But the games that I did tune in and watch, I felt like there were moments where he needed to call a timeout or he should have ran a play action or he should have been more aggressive or he should have laid back a little bit. It just seemed like he didn't really have a feel for the game. Like you could tell he was a green coach. So – um. It'll be interesting to see if he grew from that. Um, I got faith in him, but I also feel like, you know, along the lines of what you said, he's on a short leash. I don't think it's fair, but it's going to be a short leash. Um, you got to you gotta think there's still some coaching options out there, guys who, who have uh, been successful in the league, not necessarily school successful. They could come in and, and use – Somebody like Pat Kelly, who's got a little bit of uh, talent, or even Case Keenum for that 
for that matter. They can make him serviceable. Uh, and you can play behind this defense because the defense didn't lose a lot. Um, they lost they lost uh, a vocal leader, but the grand scheme of things, I don't think they lost a lot. So um, it'll be, that'll yeah, be an interesting you know, storyline. The, the defense the lost season. some. The defense lost, especially with Khalid. Um, but, you know, that didn't come as a shock given his salary and his age. You know, Roby has looked pretty good, but. Yeah, I think we could be a middle-of-the-road team. Um, Vance has got a team that he can improve and show an improvement. And after a 5-11 season, most realistic people aren't expecting Super Bowls, and, and I'm not. You know, I can see a 9-7 season at best. Um, I think we we middle-of-the-road, middle-of-the-division. You know, compete in the division, which after five and eleven, what more can you expect, really? Yeah, I um, I think those realistic expectations. I actually um, <clears throat> when we did the over under uh, podcast, I, I think I had uh, over or push, and I think their their, um, their win total was. Close to nine. I think that division is going to be tight this year. Um, I really do. You're I think it's going to be competitive. You're better than me. Looking at just if I go game by game, I'll give it about seven wins. Um, hmm. The nine part comes when you look at San Francisco not knowing what Jimmy G is going to be. Then another toss-up game is opening week in Seattle. You know, Russell Wilson's phenomenal. But what's that defense going to look like? What's what's going? Yeah. You don't know. Well, um, before we jump into 2018 a little bit more, let's talk about the uh, 2017 off season, which I want to get your thoughts on that as well, because um, it just goes back to what I was kind of saying about how Elway is kind of just fishing out here. Um, you guys didn't have a lot of money to spend. Um, it's probably more notable the people who are no longer with you than the people that you signed. Um, who was your favorite free agent signing? Uh, you know, it's going to sound kind of odd, but I like the Sua Cravings. And it's not a free agent signing necessarily. I believe we traded for him. Yeah. I think he had good depth. Uh, Tremaine Brock is is another intriguing, you know, bigger corner, bigger DB. Mm-hmm. But it all boils down to Case Keenum. I mean, he's what's going to make or break the team. You know, it all falls back to him. So I'm going to have to say Case Keenum for the fact that what caused Denver to be 5-11 and 11 last year, and that was quarterback play. Defense played stellar. But it boils down to quarterback play. And if we can get serviceable, you know, middle-of-the-road quarterback play, I, I think they have a chance to compete. Not saying mm-hmm. win, but at least compete. Um, Case Kingdom got two years and $36 million. Does it bother you that you guys kind of settled for him? More or less? Um, 
necessarily. I mean, you know, there was a lot of leaps for Kirk Cousins to Denver, especially going into the offseason. And when it come out, Case Keenum was the first one called. Um, I know the reports were that Minnesota, you know, very quickly had agreed or reached an agreement with, with Kirk. But if I'm not mistaken, you know, Elway's first call was the Case Keenum. He was the guy mm-hmm. from day one, no matter what the reports were. Uh, and he seemed happy that he got what would be considered his guy. I don't know if you consider it his guy on a two-year deal. Um, but, I mean, he is a 30-year-old quarterback that has spent a majority of his time as a backup. You know, really outside of one good season in Minnesota, where, let's be honest, that defense in Minnesota was outstanding. And the weapons he had, I know Cook went down early, um, but Thielen, uh, Rudolph, and Biggs, I mean, the team was loaded from top to bottom. I think he got his guy. I mean, it's not the route I would have gone. I would have tried to find a way to pay Cousins myself. But he got his guy, and then I, I, I sound kind of cliche with it, but in that way we trust. I mean, we're going to sink or swim with John Elway. Now, do you trust? Case Keenum to be uh, effective with a coach like Vance, who's in his second season and doesn't. I don't want to. I don't want to say he doesn't like have a grasp of the offense, but it's just like like the system that that the Broncos had just didn't seem like it was smooth last year. Like you know, we've already talked about the quarterback play, but but do you really think that Case Keenum can come in and and kind of uh, polish polish up your uh, your offensive system? You know, um, Mike McCoy and Bill Musgrave are who I trust. Oh, you know, McCoy was there during Peyton Manning during the record-breaking season before he went to San Diego. Uh, he's a great offensive coordinator. And Bill Musgrave, for all intents and purposes, has showed to be really good at progressing the quarterback. Um, I'm not necessarily sold that Vince Joseph can be the guy to lead. You know, he's the head coach. He's not the OC. I don't really talk to the defensive guy. I don't think he can do it. But I think if he gives reins to McCoy, I think the offense can be a lot better as long as he lets McCoy call the shot. All right. If Joseph does it, I, I don't have very high expectations at all. Yeah, I I think um, I'd like to see him do do what Bowles did and kind of well, his offensive coordinator is gone, but um, <laughs> you know, kind of defer to a more offensive mind and just handle everything else. And um, I mean, I I mean I I can I. I can say confidently that that the Broncos have more talent than the Jets had over the last couple of years, and that Vance, with that mentality, should be able to to produce a winning record. Uh, you talked about Trayvon Brock. 
Um, I like Traymond Brock. He's, he's from my uh, team. Um, when Traymond stays healthy, uh, he's one of the uh, most underrated cornerbacks um, generally. And not necessarily on the plays that he makes, but just overall technique, and, and he finds a way. He is targeted to uh, be disruptive, but it's always been an issue with his health. And then here lately, his off-field antics. So um, I wish him the best and hope that works out for you guys because you're going to need to replace Aqib Tlaib. Uh, I, it's not uh, physically, emotionally. Uh, is there anybody on this team that you think, especially in the secondary, that you guys are going to lean on to, to replace that, that fire? It's, it's got to be Chris Harris. Um, he's the veteran. Um, and very, very underrated by a lot of people. Chris Harris is what, seven years in, six years into the league now. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the secondary, you know, Simmons is young. And not to say that young players can't be that vocal leader, but, you know, more often than not, it's, it's your veteran presence in a specific position. And that's Chris Harris. Uh, you know, you noted him with Tremaine Brock. He hasn't really played yet. I think he's dealing with some sort of injury. Honestly, I haven't seen much on the preseason yet. But Will Parks, another younger, younger guy. Bradley Roby is, I think, coming into his fourth year. So in the secondary wise, it's, it's going to have to be Chris Harris, and he seems to be more quiet, reserve type. But he's going to have to step up and be a vocal leader in that in that secondary, in order to keep them playing anywhere near the level that they had, even when it was T.J. Ward and a keep sleep, Darian Stewart. You know now you've got Chris Harris. Stewart, Simmons, Roby. It, it, it's it's going to have to be Harris. And you talked about um, Sue Cravens as well. Um, do you think he's going to play a part in this in this team, or because I know he's got um, he's got some some issues going on too. Do you do you feel like he's worth the investment? I think it's worth a shot. Um, I don't see him having a whole, you know, much of an impact <clears throat> outside of, you know, maybe some special teams, you know, an injury. He's not going to have a big impact. He's yet to play. I think he may play the last preseason game. Um, but he's not going to have a huge, huge impact on the season outside of somebody getting hurt. I'd like for him to play. Uh, talent-wise, I, I don't know that you can question his talent, but is his head in the right place is the biggest problem. You know, in Washington, he just – I don't know if it's one concussion too many or if he actually does have, you know, some serious mental issues. But if he can get his head on straight and be committed to football, then I, I think he can be – a really serviceable pickup. So you guys ended up trading to leave. You got some draft picks from it. Um, now, 
generally in this part of the uh, the segment, I only focus on like your first two rounds. So you guys had three picks in the first round. Uh, you got Bradley Chubb, defensive end, at number five. You got Cortland Sutton uh, with the se- in the second round at number forty. And then you got a lot of people's favorite running back um, in the draft, and Royce Freeman at number seventy-one. Um, you can pick any other three, but uh, give me what you think their city is and what kind of impact they're going to have in two thousand and eight. Well, I, I'm, I, I can give you all three personally. In my opinion, Bradley Chubb, you know, a lot of people have seen the he's leading candidate as far as Vegas goes for defensive player of the year. Uh, he's projected to start opposite Vaughn Miller, which almost gives you a a feeling of, you know, when DeMarcus Ware came to Denver and started opposite of Miller. Takes that, that double team away. So I think he can have a double-digit sack season. Um, you know, maybe 10, 10 sacks. Cortland Sutton. He's got potential. Big guy. Good hands. I, I, I don't think he tops a thousand yards because I don't know that more than one receiver on top of thousand will gain him. But he can be a good solid offensive you know I don't know play counts but seventy percent of the offensive plays. And I'm hoping Royce Freeman gets a starting nod because in the preseason he's looked fantastic in my opinion. It's so hard to judge a running back. You know, I've seen Devontae Booker look great. And when he got started now, when Anderson got into he looked terrible. So it's hard to judge a running back. You know, I'm not going to give you the Saquon Barkley you know, hype because he's not Saquon Barkley. I, you know, being honest, I, I can see him getting about 700 yards by in a, in a by-committee type running situation, maybe six touchdowns. You know, a decent season. Good season for a rookie on a bad offensive team. But I'm not too too hyped to say he's going to be the next best thing as far as I think the running back. All right. Um, was there anybody that you wish you had a guy? Because there was some speculation that the Broncos would trade that uh, number five pick. Did you want to trade up? Would you have been cool with trading down? Did you want a defensive end with the first pick? You know, before the draft, and, and let's be real, nobody thought Baker Mayfield was going number one. No, like nobody, Mayfield. nobody that that uh, that was an expert. But but I'm not gonna lie, I I follow the uh, the on um, Twitter and stuff, and there was there was heavy push for Baker maybe three days before the draft. Like somebody somewhere knew, and people were were playing it left and right uh, before the draft, and the public was playing uh, Darnold to go first, but. Somebody somewhere knew. I wanted Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Um, once Mayfield came off the board, I mean, there was no way Denver was going to give up the farm and move up to one. You know, what was it Washington had to give up? Was it three first-round picks to move up for RG3? There was yeah, no way that, that was going to happen. 
but that was kind of that was kind of uh, I don't even say that's a precedent. That was just a dumb move. I don't think anybody else would give up that much for for one player. Um, and if if they well, you know what the was it the Colts? Somebody gave up a crazy amount for um, to to switch, swap spots with the Colts. I think it was the Jets. So you might you might be right. The the going price might have been might have been kind of crazy at the start of the draft. I mean, even two firsts that, and two seconds. I'm not sure I'd give yeah. up that to move up for Mayfield. Um, yeah. My original thought because I didn't, you know, originally I didn't think Bradley Chubb would make it. I could have seen Saquon Barkley, you know, in a, in a way, seen Barkley going to Cleveland and Chubb going to Cleveland as well with a one and four pick. You know, I, I thought they would go, and his name now escapes me, the offensive lineman, I think it was from Notre Dame. Um, um, You're talking about Quentin Nelson? Yes. The guard? Yes. Yeah, the guard. Yes. You know, with the, the lackluster offensive line play, I thought that would have been a route to go to bolster that offensive line for Case Keenum. But at the end of the day, can you ever have too many pass rushers? Not in today's league, you can't. So, I'm happy with Chubb. He was not the initial. Of course, I didn't think he'd be there at five. You know, knowing now that he's there at five, um, I'm thrilled with six. But I didn't think it would happen. Yeah. It's – it's a tricky thing, uh, draft day trades for sure, because, yeah, I think you only got a limited amount of time to make the trade, so there's a lot of pressure. And, and most people are going to make you reach, you know, especially if you try to move up. Um, I didn't expect Chubb to be there either, but I think picking up somebody like that um, helps anchor the defense because you're you're still in a conference that relies heavily – or a conference on division that relies heavily on um, – on passing the ball. Uh, Pat Mahomes is going to be, they're going to be throwing some deep passes, so he's going to be dropping back um, a little bit um, further than he's used to, I think. I think they're going to they're gonna pass a lot more than we've seen in, in the past. Um, Phillip Rivers obviously slings the rock at a high rate as well. Um, John Gruden, I don't know what, what approach he's going to do, but they still got Derek Carr. They've, they've invested in their quarterback. So adding another pass rusher. Mac, I know that much. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people want Mac too, but I, I don't. I haven't. You know, I haven't really looked into that too too much. Um, just to mess with Carter a little bit, but I, I think realistically, him getting traded is just far fetched. I don't think they would let him. Um, you would have I don't to probably have a choice. Before. I mean, I know this is Denver, but I don't think yeah. they have a choice but to trade him. You can't pay. Call her twenty five, twenty five, twenty six million a year, and so, I think that Mac wants twenty two. So what would what would the um what would the Broncos like? What can they give? What are their assets to to give the people that that if you like? What could you see somebody being a trade piece or or something other than draft picks? Because that seems to kind of be Elway's mo. He just throws away the draft picks. I think there was one year where he only had like three or four picks. Maybe it was the year that um, was it 2016. I think they were trying to trade Cap, and all they really had to offer was like a, a fourth round pick. 
or something like that because he pretty much traded away a lot of his picks. So, what what assets do the Broncos have that are that are players that you you could potentially see being trade pieces? You know, I don't think they make any big time moves, but if I had to pick one, I would say Demarius Thomas. You know, his his cap hit is going down. Yeah, I think he's in year four. I think it's year four of a five-year deal. While his number's high this year, you know, next year is substantially lower. Uh, he's a big target receiver. Very good with a with screen go. Um, outside of him, there aren't a lot of movable pieces that I would call really good assets. I mean... You're not going to move Chris Harris. He's probably Chris Harris and Vaughn Miller are probably your two most valuable pieces, and you're not moving them. You're not going to move Derek Wolf. Um, you know Ron Leary on the offensive line. He's in year two of his deal, so they're not moving him. If I had to guess, it would probably be Demarius Thomas if they tried to make a big blockbuster. I don't know if you call it blockbuster because he's not necessarily a you know, top ten guy, but a blockbuster move would have to be Thomas. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. Um, like you said, he he I wouldn't call him Dez hands, but he has been known to drop some easy ones. Um, but with your team uh, being ranked the second highest payroll for wide receivers, um, that that probably makes complete sense, especially if they're trying to save some cap space and and look into uh, trading for anybody of max caliber or potentially um, being players and and maybe getting a, a quarterback. Um, one other option I'll throw out there too is a little side side thing before we um, take a quick break. What do you think about your team potentially going out there, say, like a Geno Smith in the trade? Because he looks pretty good this preseason. You know, Geno Smith, I'm going to pass on. Wait, I I said Geno Smith. I'm sorry, Teddy Bridgewater. You mean Teddy Bridgewater. (laughs) That's that's, what I was doing to say. Oh, my God, that's so disrespectful. My fault, fellas. Teddy Bridgewater, that's what I meant. You know, Teddy has looked really good. And for the right price, I I don't know if he'd start. I think that'd be part of the problem with moving him. You know, obviously Chad Kelly, he's a seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant. Is he ready to be back up? I, I can't answer that. I don't think he is. I think it's either a boom or bust with him. I could see him maybe going after Teddy Bridgewater to be a backup to Kenny. Um, he's looking really good. You know, I read the article about his mangled knee, you know, where his, basically his entire knee was being held on by one ligament. He had to take pieces of his hamstring to rebuild it. And I'd be stoked to have a guy like him back up. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of a Tebow thing. Tebow was loved and hated in Denver. You know, when they brought Peyton Manning in, if 
Case Keenum has a bad game, are they going to claim it for Teddy Bridgewater? And when you bring Keenum in to be your guy, do you really want the fans clamoring for the backup to kind of hurt starters' mindset, maybe? I guess that might be the right term to use. I mean, you're a professional athlete. That shouldn't factor into how you prepare and how you play. But at the same time, they're also humans. And hearing the fans clamoring for your backup can't really help you either. I agree. I agree. Um, it's it's gonna be an interesting storyline, I think. And I and like I said, I just do that curve out there because he's been one of the names that keeps popping up on on um, people's radar um, for teams that well, potentially the Jets, could use the The Jets aren't keeping him. No, I mean, if you got an asset like that, you shouldn't. I, I feel like, I mean, especially you got Sam Darnold. He's your quarterback of the future. He technically should be your number two because he's not a project. Like, you know that he's he's uh, not too far from the NFL ready. So it makes sense to put Teddy on display preseason, uh, dangle him over people uh, who might need a quarterback. I think that's just smart business uh, in the NFL. We've seen yeah. that work for a couple of people. Uh, but what I'm going to do real quick is take a break, and not a long break, be like a minute and 20 seconds. I'm going to make a post to let people know that the lines are open so we can take uh, callers. Um, you can go ahead and get you some water or something, but we're going to take one minute, and we will be right back. All right. Okay, so um, I've got Jimmy on the line here. We're talking about the Denver Broncos. Uh, we are now in the portion where we take live calls uh, for the last, like, 10 minutes of the show. Um, we're also going to primarily talk about the 2018 season. So Jimmy said seven seven wins was reasonable. Um, maybe hoping more along the lines of nine. Jimmy, give me your – Breakout star for offense in 2018, and your breakout star for defense in 2018 for the Broncos. 
Freak on stars on offense, I would have to say, would be Royce Freeman. I mean, I know he's hype. Uh, and I think I think it's justified. Defensively, you know, Bradley Chubb should have a really good year. I don't know that there's nothing that Vaughn Miller can do that would you, you would consider him a, a breakout star. So it's have to be Bradley Chubb or Derek Wolf. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if you could make a prediction about uh, Chubb's stats, how many sacks can you see him getting this year? I just see ten and a half. Ten and a half. Well, about ten and a half sacks would be what I would call a looking forward to on your schedule? Beating the Raiders. Beating the Raiders? Do you think do you think John Gruden's gonna rejuvenate them or are you even worried about that? I'm under the impression that you can't teach old dogs new tricks and that that goes for coaches as well. We haven't seen any coach take uh, an extended break from the league and come back and be successful unless they had an exceptional staff. And that would be the exception, Dick Vermeil, with the uh, St. Louis Rams. Uh, yeah, Joe LA Gibbs Rams didn't in. do nothing when he come back. No, uh, Gibbs didn't do much. You know, when you're one of your two stars, I mean, you call Derek Carr your offensive star, and then you call Khalil Mack your your defensive anchor. When your defensive anchor is taking an eight hundred and fourteen thousand dollar fine mm-hmm. for every preseason game he misses, and you haven't even called him, at least to the last report I had, they had not even talked to him. That just spells recipe for disaster. You know that defense is not loaded to the point where losing Khalil Mack means, you know, it's not a Chargers defense where they can lose, you know, one player or a Denver defense where they can lose one player and still be functional. But you're losing that anchor of your defense. And I hate the Raiders, so every year I look forward to those two games. I almost feel like a Cowboy or Redskins fan when they get talking about the opposing team. That's my look forward to game every year unless we play the Packers. Um... If, if um, not the Broncos winning the, the division, who do you think is in the division? In the Chargers. Um, you know, you mentioned it earlier. They've got a gunslinger quarterback. You know, they've got a very, very good running back. Two really good rushers. Pass rushers, um, both on Ingram. Uh, not to mention the, the the corners they have. I know they've been hit by the injury bug um, at cornerback, which sucks. I mean, it's good for a Denver fan, but it sucks if you're a fan of football because they play really good football. 
Um, but I got to go with the Chargers. You know, Pat Mahomes, you know, if Alex Smith were still in Kansas City, I would go that route. But you don't know what you got with Mahomes. And young quarterback taking over a team with high expectations. Is it too much on his shoulders? And you know, that's why I ask myself. I, I think it might be. So I, I'm going to have to go with Trump. All right, um, so we got a little bit of breaking news. Um, it seems like Tyrod Taylor just got hurt in the preseason game, maybe broke his wrist is what some people are saying. So it looks like Baker Mayfield might be pushed into the starting role here. Um, if Tyrod Ooh. became available, would you be hoping for a trade? Um, I would rather have Bridgewater personally. Uh huh. Um, Tyrod is just while well, he's he's a serviceable starter, um, and for you know, looking at it from an overall standpoint, he's done pretty well in, when he was in Buffalo, given what he was he had to work with. Um, I guess it all depends on the asking price. I mean, a broken wrist, if that's the case, the price is going to be fairly low. Um, so for backup, I, I'd entertain it, um, but I'd start right there with Teddy. Um, my next question, I had, it, I had it in my head. Oh, are we going to see? Are we going to see um, Chad Kelly? I think you will. I think you will see Chad Kelly. Um. I don't know when. I, I don't want to give a prediction because I don't want to predict the starting quarterback to get hurt. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily know any realistic fan that will. Um, but I think you will see Kelly, whether it be a blowout on either side, uh, an opposing team blowing Denver out, or Denver, by luck of the draw, Devin Hopes, blowing another team out. Um, I, I think you'll get some get some chat, Kelly. Um, what you're going to get I can't tell you. I mean, I'd like to have Kyle Slaughter back. Yeah, look up that name if you don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I um, I watched Chad Kelly a lot in college, and I mean, he's obviously had some some time to um to hone his craft. He's a talented quarterback. Uh, when it comes to the ability to make NFL throws and to to run an offense, I really think he's he's got that down. My issue with Chad Kelly has always been that he can't finish games. Um, they just always like he's got he's got this Philip Rivers factor when it's the fourth quarter. It's like, dude, what? How? Why? What did you? What are you doing? What is going on? So, um, if he gets an offense that can corral that a little bit, um. I, I when I say corral it, maybe run the ball a little bit more, or or if they're playing ahead more, um, he'll probably be very successful. But uh, he's he's had talent around him um, offensively when he was at uh, Ole Miss. I know they had uh, plenty of recruiting infractions uh, to lead to getting a lot of top tier talent. So it wasn't like he was he was out there playing with a bunch of nobodies. They were. They were definitely able body. So, 
Um, I always I thought when you picked him up in the seventh round, I was like, well, that that's still in the draft. I mean, Chad never got hurt. He Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, he would have been a fourth round pick at worst if he never got hurt. But you guys ended up picking him up in in the very last pick. So um, I hope I hope it works out for him. I actually hope he challenges for the um, for the starting position at some point. It would be I think it would be interesting, and then. That would be the ultimate payoff for the um, John L.A. Gamble if he got a, a Mr. Irrelevant. And I know people are trying to draw Brady comparisons in regards to him taking over uh, the team eventually and maybe being a, a serviceable starter. But I don't consider Chad Kelly a true Mr. Irrelevant. It's just that he just got into a, a crap ton of trouble and was a head case. And, and nobody wanted to draft him just because of the red flag. Yeah, not, I, I think not in the ability thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, people are always searching for some comparison um, to to somebody. I mean, that's in every sport. So, um, with that being said, I mean, we're, we're we're pretty much wrapping this thing up. Any last thoughts on your Denver Broncos? Any any final words? Anybody that you wanted to talk about that we should be looking out for? You know, it's got potential to be a good season, um, but at the same time, it's got potential to be another 2017 season. There's no real – I mean, outside of Kingdom, which, you know, I don't know if you'd really call him – a huge upgrade. There's no real significant improvement that would classify being optimistic for the season. Um, you know, the schedule they've got makes it a little bit better, but what happens, let's say, you know, we do make the playoffs. What happens when Denver runs up against a New England, you know, or Pittsburgh? Uh, it, it's, it's not going to be pretty. Um, I, mean, I don't see much happening. If your defense can can play at a high level, like like if you if you come back with another top five defense, I, I think um, it gives you a good chance to stay in any game, especially when it comes to the postseason. Um, the key would probably be to establishing a run game. Um, it won't be pretty, but um, beating a team like the uh, the Steelers in the postseason. I would I mean I don't think that's far fetched if you guys get there. I would give you all a shot. Um even against the the Patriots this year, depending on what moves they make during the season or if they you know, I haven't seen them play yet, but they're not they're not the 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 team that they that people feared before. I mean Brady's a year yeah, older. Number twelve still under center. Yeah, I know, I know, but I mean they lost they lost Mangold. Um, we haven't seen them play yet, and, and he doesn't have he doesn't have Edelman. Um, he I've seen him play against uh, Philly. Huh? I've seen Brady play against Philly. Yeah, I'm talking and about Edelman. Brady against Edelman Philly? Philly. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but, I, you know, but I'm, with saying, Brady, I'm just saying, at some point, guys yeah, we'll, gotta fall off. <laughs> you know, as much as I can't stand the guy, I mean. And a large part of that has got to do with the fact that he's basically kicked the NFL's ass for 18 years now. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> he, 
you can't argue it. I mean, you can try, but you can't argue it. You hate facing him. You know, he's, you know, Peyton Manning-esque. And, you know, you can argue what you want. The debate goes on and on. Who's better? You know, Peyton is the better regular season quarterback. Tom Brady's a better overall quarterback. You can claim it how you want. But you just hate facing him because you know no matter what you do, he's going to try to one-up you. And, you know, it's proven that more often than not, he's going to one-up you, no matter who's on the team. You know, you give him middle-of-the-road wide receivers and running backs. I can't remember the last time he had a 1,000-yard rusher. Was it Corey Dillon? You know, yeah, you give him Randy Moss, been. he sets records. Yeah. What do you do against that? I mean, I, I'm not too optimistic that there's anything that Denver can do to counteract him and Belichick. So, yeah, I mean, it would definitely be far-fetched. I just, I'm just thinking that if you guys are that good to get into the playoffs, I wouldn't count them out uh, depending on – how this Patriot team looks. I think um, I think this year is going to be one of the more competitive NFL seasons that we've seen in a long time in the uh, AFC, at least. Um, NFC, if we can get to the playoffs, got, the defense is built for it. Yeah, I would say NFC. I think the defense God bless is you if you play the Rams or the or the Vikings. You're on your own. <laughs> but the AFC, I'm AFC telling you, Marcus adding adding Peters and Talib. Yeah man. But they paying they paying everybody everybody but number ninety nine. Yeah, and they need him, so we'll see how that goes. Hey, thanks for calling, Jimmy. Um I think it was a great show. Um if you wanna call in whenever somebody else talks, if if I get a Raiders fan on here or a Chargers fan or Yeah, who's, fan, who's doing the Raiders this year? Do you know? Um I haven't I haven't found anybody yet, but um I'll put some feelers out there, see if anybody wants to do it. Um, if not, I can play devil's advocate and, and be a Raiders fan. <laughs> I hate to do it, no, but that, I can do it. That, that um, doesn't have the same doesn't have the same effect when you do it. Yeah, it doesn't. But I, I know we got some Oakland fans in the group, so I'm, I'm sure we can get somebody on. And when that happens, I will definitely tag you in the post and let you know um, when we're doing that. But um, thanks for calling, sure, man. Sure. It, was, it was a great talk, and uh, good luck to your Broncos this year. Hey, man, you have a good one. I'll see y'all in football season. All right, man. All right. So this has been the second episode of the IBM FanCast. That was Jimmy Hicks. Talked about the Denver Broncos. Um, Overall, he says that he thinks they'll win at least seven games. Um, You know, it would be nice to be nine wins or make it into the playoffs. But I think his expectations are pretty realistic for the team. They are – on the edge of a rebuild, second-year coach, got a quarterback in his, what, second full year as a starter or something like that. He's primarily a bench player. Um, going to have a rookie running back more than likely uh, leading the charge and uh, missing one of their emotional leaders on their uh, vaunted defense. So uh, it'll be an interesting year. Broncos will be an interesting storyline if they do get rolling. Um, could they be dangerous? Um, I, I err on the side of yes. Um, if I had to pick, they're probably one of the more dangerous teams in that division and in the conference, and it all depends on how much they can get out of that quarterback position. 
Uh, so this has been the IBM Fancast, Denver Broncos. This is IBS Jesus signing off for the night. <laughs>